Hello, and welcome to another Health Essentials Podcast. I'm John Horton, your host. Blame for body aches and pains often get directed at muscle-burning activities. A tough workout, for instance, or maybe long hours cleaning up the yard. But there's a pretty low-intensity thing we do every day that can leave you feeling pretty creaky. We're talking about sleeping. Awkward sleeping positions can put stress and strain on your body as you're catching Z's, leading to pain when you should be ready to rise and shine. So what's the best way to sleep? That's what we're going to learn today from our good friend, Dr. Andrew Bang. Dr. Bang is a chiropractor and one of the many experts at Cleveland Clinic who join us weekly to share their wisdom. So let's see what advice he has to help you rest easy at night and wake up feeling great. Dr. Bang, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, always a treat to have you on. Uh, John, I love being with you, man. So good to uh, be with you and all the listeners. So I got to tell you, I got up this morning and I got out of bed and I took what can best be described as about 10 zombie steps as I tried to work out all the creaks and aches and everything else. And, and I started thinking ahead to talk with you and I thought, you must not have that in the morning. Well, um, I was just teasing you. I know uh, I have six kids, so I don't know what the word sleep means anymore sometimes. But uh, no, if you if you plan your sleep out right, you have a higher chance of feeling better when you wake up. And there's some very easy tips and tricks that you can add right into your life to get the same benefit as everybody else trying to get you know restful Z's. Well, that's why we have you on because you always give us uh, helpful tips and. Uh, I know when we've talked, it seems like the basics of sleep comes down to getting in the right position. Uh, why is that so important? Well, there's a lot of reasons um, that positioning is important uh, because we want to take as much pressure off of your uh, joints, muscles. We want to create uh, maximum blood flow. We want to create a neutral spine so our ligaments can creep back to their normal position to keep you nice and protected when you're going about your daily activities. And uh, it's easy to do. It's not challenging. Uh, there's been studies that shown you can actually change your sleep patterns because it seems impossible to change something you do while you're sleeping. But with a little pre-coaching before you fall asleep, your body will get used to the new habit. Now, let me ask you, how, how much fatigue can you put on your body while you're just laying down there. I mean, it just seems like your body should be at rest. I mean, how are you taxing your muscles while you're doing that? Well, that's a good point. Cause you think, yeah, gravity's not pushing down on me. And what, what's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you what the big deal is. When you're going through your normal day, you're putting a lot of stress on certain parts of your body and we're all a little different. So let me talk in general terms so that you, so then your audience can then apply each to their own specific situation. Uh, but let's talk about your and I situation, okay? We'll use like the contrast of us. Your job primarily is at a computer, talking with people, editing, reading, writing. Does that sound fair enough to say? It sounds exactly like how all my days go. <laughs> yeah, and so with that being said, you probably put a lot of stress on your neck, shoulders, maybe even the low back as you sit uh, in positions for long periods of time without moving. I'm fortunate enough, I do have to sit and do documentation for notes, but I'm able to get up quite a bit throughout the day, move and help my patients. So my uh, area that gets a lot of work is my wrists, hands, and shoulders, where your area that gets a lot of work would be like your uh, neck, uh, wrists as well, and low back. 
Okay. It's, it's, those all ache on me. So you're, you're right on point here. <laughs> so what you've done is all night or all day, you've stretched out those ligaments. They've gotten too loose. And then when you go to sleep, like I was mentioning earlier, is ligaments creep back to their normal position. They're supposed to. They're supposed to shrink back down. That way you can, when you do get up, you sound a little creaky, but that's keeping your body nice and tight. So you don't just topple over or, or be flexible like Gumby or Stretch Armstrong, right? We we need integrity. All right, that's good. All right, so I'm keeping everything together. That's a good. Yeah. That's good news. <laughs> but now, John, let's say you need to tighten your neck muscles and ligaments and your low back, all those ligaments and even your wrists back to their normal spot. But you sleep on your stomach where you've twisted your neck, twisted your back, and maybe you put your hands underneath you. Now, instead of allowing your ligaments to creep back to their normal position, you continue to stretch them all night. Or if you sleep on your side and you get into the fetal position, right, where you're super curled like a, like a C, all night your neck continues to stretch forward, which it's already doing too much of using a computer, cell phone, driving, you name it. And your low back also is too curved and too stretched. So all night it doesn't get a chance to get back to its normal position. And that's when people end up waking up with pain from poor sleeping posture. Well, then it seems the key seems to be getting into the right sleep position. So let's kind of take a closer look at that and, and kind of, I guess, the different ways people sleep and how that affects different parts of, of your body. Um, let's let's start with sleep positions for, for our backs, because I know that is always a, a, an issue with people. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So which, how should you sleep? What's the best way? All right. So when you look at what... Um, there was a, some great studies done when they said, let's apply pressure to the spine in the sleeping positions and see which the spine has the least amount of pressure on it. Sleeping on your back, the spine has the least amount of pressure applied to it. Sleeping on your sides is the next. And then sleeping on your stomach has the most amount of pressure uh, on your low back. Okay. So some people can sleep on their stomach probably with no problems if during the day they don't already put a lot of stress onto their low back. But that's getting more rare, right? It's hard to yes. do a job where you're not taxing your low back because of computers and all the sitting you do. So then what I try to recommend for low back pain sleepers is to sleep on your back or sides. And if you're like, oh, I snore, I have a problem with sleep apnea, then definitely you want to favor your side right and or left side. And I love, um, we always do this mantra, but I'm going to bring it up again. Motion is lotion and that's no different when it comes to sleeping. You can't always pick your one side like the right side sleeper and always sleep there because you'll end up causing some issues as well. So you've gotta to try to uh, train yourself to sleep, sleep on both sides if you're a total side sleeper. Um, it's not impossible to do, but it can take a little practice. And it's mostly just being conscious about what you're doing. Well, that makes sense. You wanna flip, so you're doing both sides, uh, both sides equal. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't cook your pancake just on one side, right? <laughs> you got to flip that baby. So here's another couple of tips since we're talking about low back pain is someone may say, well, hey, when I sleep on my side, I still feel a lot of twisting in my low back, which causes me pain. Well, if you'll take a pillow and shove it between your knees and or put a pillow in front of your legs, you could bring one knee up bent and rest it on the pillow. And that will kind of stabilize your hips instead of them twisting a lot. That, that pillow between the knees is a wonderful trick. Also, you can do the same thing while you're sleeping on your back. When you lay on your back, 
uh, and your legs are flat, depending on how tight your hamstrings are, it can cause your low back to arch too much. Okay. You're really stiff down low in the hamstrings and glutes. You know, you're either you're born that way. Some people are just not flexible, let's face it. Or you sit a lot, so they get tight. You lay on your back and you're like, it's uncomfortable because your spine gets too arched. But if you'll put a pillow underneath your knees, that tends to flex your hips. Well, then we'll make your low back relax. And so a lot of people, if they want to sleep on their back, if they'll simply add a pillow underneath their knees, that will help their back feel relaxed, comfortable, and they'll be able to doze off and, and sleep well. What about your chin? Because I thought I remember reading that there's something when, when you're sleeping on your side or uh, you should have your chin in a certain direction too. Yeah, sure. So moving up the body into the neck, like what's the best positions for the neck, right? Well, we could make an assumption that sleeping on your stomach is the worst. And it's true because now you're having to turn your neck to the left or to the right um, for long periods of time. There's also some people who love to sleep by bringing their hand up and they sleep on their their arm, forearm or their hand, or they put their arm underneath the pillow as they sleep on their stomach. That's in there. shoulder problem city. It's on the, you know, you're just <laughs> accelerating shoulder problems, you know, where you're going to be, oh, I got my rotator cuff problems. So you got to get those arms down, even if you are still stomach sleeping. Okay. Um, if you are sleeping on your side uh, and you're worried about neck posture, like where should it be? Again, let's go back to uh, the computer posture. As our neck goes forward, that stretches it over the day. If you sleep on your side with your chin tucked, you continue to stretch your neck all night long. Those ligaments never creep back to where they're supposed to be to keep you nice and tight. So then you wake up, your neck is still sore, and it feels cracky or creaky um, because you haven't allowed it to rest the way it's supposed to. So I try to tell people, when you go to sleep on your side, get perfect posture as if you were looking straight ahead, like a, like almost like a military posture, or like when your mom told you, sit up straight, or grandma, whatever. <laughs> get nice and straight posture, then lay your head on the pillow. And your pillow, oh, this is a, such a tough question. I get it asked all the time. Well, what kind of pillow should I use? That's the question everyone wants to know. You oh figure goodness. there's got to be an answer. <laughs> well, so I've read a lot of research. I haven't done a, a pillow research um, of my own accord, maybe someday. But the research I have read about pillows is not done very well. And there's a few reasons, just because there's a million variables, right? There's 101 pillows you could possibly buy. And then the issue you run into is no one's taken, you know, 50 pillows with uh, thousands of patients and said, okay, which pillows seem to be better for the vast majority? The research that is out there gives us a couple of guidelines, okay? They rank um, pillows in this fashion. They say the feather pillow, that's pillows filled with feathers, down feathers. They're the worst. The super soft they have ones, the least yeah. Of, yeah. They seem soft, right? Seems comfortable when you first lay down, but as you sleep, uh, as the t as the night wears on, as your body heat warms up those feathers and the pressure and weight from your head, it crushes the pillow so it no longer is supporting your neck. Okay. The next pillow they say is like kind of in second place is the cotton synthetic filled pillows, right? Those are probably the most commonly used pillows out there, you know, that looks like cotton and shoved in your yeah. pillow. They're okay, but as they age, they'll lose their, their durability and they'll also be very non-supportive. And a problem I noticed is they're often like very like a hilly, right? Or, or, or a mound of that cotton and the sides taper too much. And so then what- That's why you're always banging on them and making them, <laughs> puffing them up and stuff like you're that. You're trying to like 
push the cotton where it needs to be. And the issue we run into is now like the very tip of that like mound is here, but then like this like sinks into the pillow because you got no support here, right? The feather pillow, you can kind of mush down and like at least support your neck too, okay? So then they say the best pillows to have are memory foam pillows. And then now you open a whole new can of worms because you're like, which memory foam pillow? There's shredded, there's, there's a block, there's the one with the dip in it. And then there's every other YouTube memory foam pillow out there in the market. <laughs> so the, the, the best advice off research-based evidence would say, whatever fills the space between your head and the bed, remember that, head and the bed. So my memory foam pillow shouldn't be too high or too low. Sometimes those contoured kind of pillows are nice because they can kind of scoop and cradle your neck as your head falls into like the ravine. <clears throat> but you might be able to get that same sensation with like a block of memory foam. And okay. I do have some people who use those shredded memory foam pillows where they can kind of push those, those memory foam pieces around to cradle their head. And they tend to hold up a little bit better um, because they have so much, um, oh, I don't know, like resistance. Those shredded pieces, they kind of stick together. And they're not moving around as much as the feather might be as you shift throughout the night. So they'll tend to hold their shape a little bit better. So not an exact science, but the science tells us memory foam in some regard is your best bet when it comes to sleeping with neck pain. Okay. So we've hit the, we've hit the back. Uh, we've mm -hmm. hit the neck. Uh, what mm -hmm. about, uh, and we touched on a little bit shoulders. And I know we've talked about when you have a bad shoulder um, there, there's things you want to make sure you do so that way it does kind of stay in a neutral position or, or rest throughout the night. Yeah, for sure. So this is where um, learning to sleep on both shoulders can be helpful. So let's say you have a shoulder injury. If you've always slept on your right side, now it's really hard to now all of a sudden try sleeping on your left. But if you've always kind of been accustomed to be able to kind of switch between left and right, you can give the injured shoulder a break and predominantly sleep on the non-injured side. Typically at that point too, we're going to want to bring, keep the arm in a neutral posture and not let it fall forward. And so that's when another, like a pillow in front of you becomes really vital and you can just rest your arm right on the pillow um, or uh, outstretched arm resting on the pillow. That's going to need to be a pretty thick pillow or even two pillows in one pillowcase so that your arm stays like at that neutral posture. I've had some patients purchase pillows that are custom made where you can actually slip your arm uh, it, there's like a, a cutout manufactured for your shoulder to rest in. The pillow uh, nestles up into your neck and shoulder, creating stability. And if you have severe shoulder arthritis or a shoulder replacement or shoulder surgery, that can be worth the investment. But it's steep. We're talking, <clears throat> pardon me, we're talking like $150, $180. Wow. Okay. But again, it can be very helpful. If you're sleeping on your back, what can you do if you have a, a bum shoulder? Is there something that you can do to kind of help it out a little? Yeah, so this is going to be based off uh, how do you feel when you're sleeping on your back. But you're not, what you know you're not going to want to do is bring the shoulder up above you because that impinges everything. So keeping your arm down on your side, sometimes a pillow behind the back of the shoulder and resting the arm on it so you have a slight elevation is helpful. And then sometimes just sleeping on your back with no pillow under the shoulders actually comfortable. So this is a little trial and error that you need, need to be doing. Uh, one thing I can also tell you is many people will try all these things I've recommended and they're still like, man, nothing seems to work. <laughs> so I try to get them. Yeah. I say, well, okay, what can we do pre 
sleep routine. And this is where like you have this, you know, wonderful uh, array of people who have thrown in information out there on YouTube, the internet, even I know our Cleveland Clinic website has a lot of yoga, easy chair yoga, Pilates, uh, stretches that you can do pre-sleep. And most people don't take advantage of that. They just kind of give up. Well, I tried to sleep on my back, doesn't work. Well, if you pre-stretch and then sleep on your back, you're able to do that. If you pre-stretch the shoulder, you're able to now sleep comfortably uh, with that pain or at least get a number of hours uh, of good sleep before the pain wakes you up. Because that's all that we're trying to do, right? Is is hit um, spend more time in the bed. Even if it's a little disrupted, if you get a few extra minutes, uh, you'll end up feeling way better than if it's all interrupted throughout the whole night. Dr. Bang, those are, those are, that's great advice. Uh, what about if you're having uh, leg pain? Is there anything you can do to kind of help there? Yeah, so leg pain typically comes in the form of like leg cramps, right? And these are a mystery in and of themselves. Most people, oh, drink more water, eat a banana. I've even heard things like pickle juice because of the high salt content <laughs> and even like hot, hot, hot peppers in a liquid form that they drink. And all these tips and tricks um, they'll help some people. The problem is it's hard to know uh, the, where the research comes from to actually validate some of the things that people say work for them. So what I tend to do is, okay, not sure what are those those techniques or those potential drinks and things might work. But what we do know is if you will get a very good stretch on leg muscles, then typically you'll have less cramping as you sleep. So then the question becomes, well, what's a good stretch? The rule of thumb is it's got to be at least two minutes of stretching on a particular muscle group. And people are like, well, that's an eternity. That does seem like an eternity when you're stretching for two minutes on like a hamstring per se or your calf muscle. But the reason that seems to work, yeah, I know, right? Like who stretches for two minutes? Everything in like five seconds, right? Well, the reason that works is because your muscle needs enough stress on it to say that, okay, we need to adapt to the change. It's no different than if you went to the gym, John, I gave you a five pound weight. You could do a hundred curls and you'll never get much growth change in your bicep. But if I give you a 50 pound weight, you'd only need to be able to do a few reps, uh, a few days or weeks in a row before you'd see change of their muscle strength and definition. So the muscles uh, that we stretch are the same way. If I stretch for five or 10 seconds, it's not enough stress on the muscle for it to do anything it just feels good but it doesn't change if you spend two minutes stretching a single muscle group over time your body will whoa 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 this is too much stress we've got to adapt we've got to get longer and then you'll be end up going to bed with less muscle cramping at least if it if it's because <laughs> you're having tight muscles in the lower extremities so spend a little time before bed and just stretch everything out and it'll kind of help you sleep a little better it gets everything get your body ready yeah, it totally does. And actually, it will end up uh, probably uh, releasing some of those good feeling hormones that will help you also calm down and feel like your resting state of, of mind, your parasympathetic state. So as long as we're talking about sleep, now we talked about pillows. The other big uh, item that you obviously have is your mattress. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time too, but for is sure. there a mattress that's best uh, for sleep? Yeah. So again, we got to go off guidelines because there, because there's so many mattress companies and types of mattresses, it's been difficult to perform a very good research study giving us the facts. But from what we do have uh, on research when it comes to sleeping, let me give you the take-home message. 
Medium firm seems to be the recommendation. The issue with that is there's no industry standard. So one company's medium firm might be another company's super firm. <laughs> that, that, that makes it a little tough. <laughs> it does. But uh, keep in mind, you can always add a little softness to your, to your bed. It is impossible to add firmness to your bed unless you have mattresses that allow you to increase firmness, right? Uh, and there's different companies that will that have technology to do that. But for the most for most of the beds, you can only add softness like a pillow top or a memory foam pillow top or other types of toppers to give you a little bit more give if the mattress feels too firm when you lay on it. But starting with the medium firm will give you the most support you need for shoulders, uh, low back, neck, etc. Need to add a little softness, put a memory topper on. But the research would then say, okay, medium firm for standard mattresses and even memory foam mattresses, they do say mattresses that allow you to have some control over it. So these would be ones that can uh, increase the firmness or even vary the head and the feet. Okay. They say for people who have pain, those are the best because they can change it to what they need that day. So how often should you change your mattress out? Because that's another thing that comes out. You see... Uh... These, these companies, and they, they say they have like a 20-year mattress, which everyone, you know, you think, oh, this will be great. I don't have to worry about it for a long time. But is, is that the way to go? I, I agree with you. It seems a lot because I've even seen that uh, some that say you can go 30 years before you need to replace it. Holy cow. I know, right? Well, here's the issue we run into. Like, I'm 40 right now. So let's say I buy a brand new mattress today. And if that theoretically will last until I'm 70, there's some issues that might happen between my age right now and 70. There's a high likelihood that I could have a joint replacement, a shoulder, a knee, a hip. There's a high likelihood that I could enjoy too much ice cream and gain 20, 30, 40 pounds, right? <laughs> or on the flip side, maybe I decide to go vegan and eat only carrots and broccoli and other healthy vegetables. And I lose 20 or 30 or 40 pounds. What these big changes in our physiology over a 30-year period, that might dictate the need for a mattress a lot sooner before the mattress actually wears out. So when I turn to find out from the scientific literature, what did they say? They actually recommend that 10 years, is should, you should really reevaluate, do I need a mattress change? Because if I'm going to have a small frame right now, and I find my medium firm that seems to work for me, if in 10 years I've gained, I've, I've gained a lot of weight, then that medium firm might not be medium firm anymore. It might be medium for me. So I might then need to increase the firmness of my mattress so that I'm supported as I sleep. So every 10 years, you really need to evaluate, where was I 10 years ago? Has my physiology changed? Have I had a joint replacement? Have I gained or lost a bunch of, uh, of weight? And then also just visibly looking at the mattress itself. Um, many mattresses are now only one-sided, uh, and we can kind of flip them once, but you can't flip them like you used to with a traditional old uh, mattress. They can wear out faster than what the, the claim is that they'll last 20 or 30 years. So you're going to really want to look for visible damage or alterations to what the mattress was originally when you purchased it. Also, like if the, <laughs> the mattress frame that you put it on has also had, uh, maybe that was from your previous mattress before. And so the frame or bed box bringing things is actually way older than the mattress itself might have lost its integrity. So there's a couple of things to, to look out for.
And I take it that people should always go and, and test mattresses out because in, in the end, since there's no real big, um, you know, formal declaration as to what's firm or soft or medium, you just have to go try it, right? You're 100% right, John. Like, because there's not an official scientific declaration, you got to be your own investigator. You got to be your own advocate. And you're going to take, uh, take a nap on that mattress <laughs> in the store and really get an idea if if it's the right thing for you. I have to tell you, the last time I went and bought a mattress, we did that, and I fell asleep there. And so oh, awesome. we bought it. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you, uh, you must have had a bad mattress. You weren't getting some good sleep before. Well, I'm glad. That's good. <laughs> it, it's okay. I think it's worth, because, I mean, you spend a third of your life in there. To me, it's it's a big deal. And it's it should be, you should spend as much time in a mattress store trying some things out as you do buying a car. I mean, usually a lot of people spend a lot of time and go back and forth and read reviews. And I think that's that's helpful. Uh, and I think spending time with a mattress is helpful. And if you want to buy an online mattress, you might be surprised a friend, a family member might already own that mattress. And it might be worth literally going to their home. Just, can I just lay that? Can I feel it? Can I see if it's firm enough? Um, and uh, there's one other thing I was thinking when we were talking about this. Oh, I know. I do love that a lot, a lot of mattress companies recognize that you may not be happy with the mattress. And if they've got a decent return policy, you may lose a hundred dollars restocking fee or whatever, but I think that's worth it if you do not jive with your mattress. But I will um, give the warning and that and most mattress companies will say this one caveat to that is you need like somewhere like 30 to 90 to 60 days. There's not a, a definite a number, but there needs to be some time if you sleep on the new mattress you can't make a decision that it's a bad mattress, quote unquote, just after a couple of days of sleep. And that's been something that's been documented. They, when you do like look at the literature, they do say, hey, people don't tend to like get comfortable for a period of time. So don't give up right away on your mattress. And I think mattress companies have come around to this idea. And so they're giving you like this three month window of like, hey, if you hate it, return it. And uh, I really think like if you're not jiving with it in 30, 45 days, then yeah, you should really consider like spending that restocking fee and just trying a new, new mattress or then maybe jump into that option of the uh, softer uh, topper. Well, it sounds like you probably save money on, on doctor's appointments later if you do that with the restocking <laughs> hey, fee. <laughs> so we, we, we've covered a lot here. So before we kind of say goodbye um, and look to put some of these tips to use, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, I would just only say there's a lot of great mattresses and things. Um, and consider your sheets too. Don't just, uh, that's not the only thing because a lot of people sleep really hot or really cold. And that can affect your sleep just as much as poor positioning. Uh, and then I guess I think my last take home would be just take a little time when you're not sleeping well. Uh, it's amazing how a little bit of stretching and self-care for 10 minutes before you go to sleep. I find some people switch their morning shower routine for an evening shower routine to help relax, calm the body, get it into that sleep, parasympathetic sleeping and resting state. And that can go a long way and it can solve a lot of problems that you think might be coming from your mattress. So that was kind of what I would, would say, but happy sleeping to you guys and, and good luck because it is a little bit of work to find the right mattress. Well, I'm going to try some of these tips uh, tonight and then hopefully tomorrow uh, morning when I get up, I will not have uh, those zombie steps. 
Yeah, you can text me and tell me how you're doing, all right? <laughs> Will do, Dr. Bang. Thank you very much. Uh, always a treat. All right, bye. We spend a lot of time sleeping, so it's important to use good sleep posture to avoid aches and pains. Try these tips from Dr. Bang the next time you go to bed to see if you wake up feeling a little bit better. Till next time, be well. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash H-E-Podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician.